Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Why it matters. Money FM 89.3. It is now time for Why It Matters. Let's talk about 2023, a year of recovery for cryptocurrency. The industry rebounded from these scandals, blowups, and of course, the price declines of 2022. And with crypto assets rebounding and market activity growing over the course of 2023, many believe that crypto winter is finally coming to an end. A new growth phase may soon be upon us. But what does that mean for crypto crime? Let's find out more from Ian Lee, founding team and product lead for Merkel Science. Ian, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. I'm very well, thank you. Let's talk a little bit and sort of a recap conversation, the differences between blockchain and crypto. Could you help us out with that? Of course. So a lot of people tend to confuse the two with a lot of people actually thinking that one might equal the other. But when we talk about and we think about blockchain and crypto, we really kind of want to separate the two. Mm -hmm. The way that I like to explain it to people is blockchain is the underlying technology, right? It's like the internet. It allows us to build all kinds of applications on top of it. And crypto is just one application of that technology. And so today, you know, if you do a lot of research in the market, as much as a lot of the hype is around crypto from a token and investment perspective, there's a lot, actually a lot of work being done by corporates to incorporate blockchain and other parts of their infrastructure. So why are criminals drawn to crypto then? Well, you have to imagine in the world that we live in today, before crypto was invented, think about how you would typically purchase something online, right? In the absence of crypto, people tend to turn to things like electronic money or credit cards. And all of these are facilitated through an intermediary and organization which collects information about its users. Now, if you were a criminal, you wouldn't want to go online and buy drugs using a MasterCard or Visa card because chances are law enforcement is going to be tracking you down. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that really attracts criminals to cryptocurrency is the fact that anyone with an internet connection is able to buy crypto and send crypto to any part of the world as long as the receiver on the other end has an internet connection as well. So think about all the capital controls that governments are concerned about today, moving money in and out of China, moving money in and out of war-torn nations. Oftentimes, these are prohibited due to sanctions or restrictions that are kind of imposed by the banks and governments. But with crypto, anyone, you and I, we could simply send as much money as we want to war-torn countries, to North Korea, to criminals, and there's nothing that law enforcement can do to prevent those transactions from happening. And this is a real concern for government, banks, and law enforcement, because what it essentially means is that all the controls around compliance that banks have painstakingly built up over the last dozens of years have suddenly been made kind of obsolete. What's also interesting, Ian, now you mentioned that it's been made obsolete. I want to draw back attention to about 2018, where we really saw a rise in cryptocurrency. We had those surge in prices, right? And at that time, the conversation was around regulation, regulation, regulation. We have actually seen some come out over the years. Could you walk us through Singapore's crypto regulation? Is it enough? Where does it stand in the wider framework? Of course. So I think Singapore has done a really, really good job in trying to regulate crypto. In as early as 2019, we introduced something called the Payment Services Act, which sought to consolidate the way that Singapore kind of regulates the transfer value. And under that overarching piece of regulation, it specifically regulates what we call the movement of digital payment tokens. And that's kind of what Singapore refers to as crypto locally. 
So under this new framework, if you are looking to operate a business that is looking to, let's say, buy, sell, or trade crypto, you are required to register with the MAS, get a license, and as part of that entire process, you are expected to implement the same kind of KYC and AML requirements that banks incorporate today. But the problem with crypto is, despite the government's best efforts to regulate businesses, one of the things that you got to understand about crypto is that people do not have to transact through these businesses. Mm-hmm. Again, I have the ability and the freedom to choose to send my funds directly to anyone anywhere in the world without going through these businesses. And so if these criminals choose to bypass these businesses, then despite the best efforts that regulators seek to regulate these businesses, again, it's very easily circumvented. So Ian, wasn't the original, I mean, attraction of cryptocurrencies and such is because they are loosely regulated. So if these will be, uh, you know, regulated, would it still be attractive to people? I think so. I mean, definitely in the early states, a lot of people was attracted to the technology because of the freedom that it supposedly provides, right? Mm -hmm. The ability for people to control their own assets and not be relying on intermediaries to transact. That being said, I think the industry has moved and evolved beyond that, such that a lot of businesses today are realizing that, hey, there are a lot of benefits of adopting the technology that goes beyond just, you know, freedom. There's a lot of cost-saving benefits, a lot of automation benefits, and that's one of the reasons why you see, again, a lot of governments and banks today starting to figure out how they can incorporate this technology and use it as a way to potentially replace, you know, the current way of transacting that we have today. One of the biggest problems I have with this, Ian, and I guess it's personal, is tech law essentially, but it's not a global tech law. It's, you know, uh, jurisdictions. Uh, You're a former lawyer. I'm a former investigator. I bet if I were to use the word cross-chain investigations, you'd have a lot of negative things to say about it. (laughs) You throw crypto in the mix, it's going to make things easier for the bad guys, harder for the good guys. You bring up a very good point. One of the problems that we have in crypto is in relation to cross-chain tracing, right? And to give you an example, crypto is facilitated through blockchain. And there are many different blockchains out there today. And all of these blockchains, unfortunately, operate in silos. As somebody who works in a blockchain analytic company, what we tend to do is we tend to try and analyze these transactions and follow the trail. The issue or difficulty of our job becomes harder when these criminals start moving these assets from one chain to another chain. To draw an analogy, it's like trying to catch a criminal in Singapore and he's suddenly now taking a boat across to Malaysia, right? And you only have visibility over Singapore. You have no idea what happens once he hops over to another country. And chain hopping kind of works the same way. So then uh, how does the role of machine learning and algorithms uh, play in your investigations? Great question. So I think one of the biggest challenges of blockchain analytics is the fact that we have so much data at our disposal, right? When you compare it to, let's say, traditional tracing, the way that a investigator might look to trace funds to a bank, oftentimes their work is hindered because, you know, they have no idea where the money has gone once it goes into a corresponding bank who may not be willing to disclose information. This is in contrast to crypto where anyone, you, I, anyone with the internet connection can actually see every single cryptocurrency transaction that's taking place. Now, this might sound like a dream come true for an investigator, but as you can imagine, when you have millions or tens of millions of transactions happening every day, 
this becomes a lot of information for an investigator to manually yeah. get through. Yeah. And this is where the role of you know big data and machine learning really comes in, in terms of being able to automate um, the tracing of these transactions such that even if funds are moving through, let's say, tens of thousands of wallets, we can automate the tracing of that and reduce the time it takes in two seconds. Right. Just as a point of understanding, Ian, so is this to say that because it's loosely regulated, it is also a good thing for enforcers to dwell or to work within the parameters that it's so loose, but you need the AI to pinpoint specifics? Um, I would say that's a fair okay. Uh, statement. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so what's being done now as far as law enforcement is concerned, you know, if they identify a bad actor? So today, the most effective way of identifying an actor through crypto tracing is by following the trail of funds into, let's say, an exchange. Okay. Because as much as, you know, you rightly pointed out, crypto is becoming more popular. The reality of today is, you know, it's still difficult for you to live on pure crypto. Right. You can buy a car, you can buy a house easily, I'd say. Mm. Um, and so oftentimes these criminals still have to kind of cash out and they would move the money into one of these larger exchanges in order to convert it to cash. And that's typically where law enforcement is focusing their attention. It's one of the reasons why governments are so concerned with regulating as many businesses as possible because they recognize that these businesses are important nexuses that allow them to tie an identity of a criminal to, let's say, a wallet that you're investigating. Ian, what advice would you give users to safeguard their funds? And perhaps tell us as well what they should do if uh, they become a victim of an attack. Well, the first thing that I'd say is never rely on someone else to set up your cryptocurrency wallet, right? Uh, We've had so many horror stories of people going online asking or seeking for advice from an unknown person to set up an account only to have the account set up in person's control, right? We've had numerous people come to us where they've raised millions of dollars through a computer program that they bought online, only to realize that as the money was coming in, all of it was being funneled away. So number one, your own money, your own responsibility, right? Don't go online and find someone for help. You are in charge of your own capital. And in the event that you do get hacked, what I will say is, you know, the Singapore police force is highly trained. Fortunately or unfortunately, they have a lot of experience handling crypto-related cases. So in the event you are a victim, number one thing you should do is immediately file a report because time is of the essence when it comes to these investigations. Mm -hmm. Does it mean to say we should expect more crypto-related crime as as it gets more popular? Unfortunately, I will have to say that is my firm oh, belief. <laughs> Such is life, I suppose. We've been, speaking, we've been speaking with Ian Lee, founding team and product lead for Merkel Science. Ian, appreciate your thoughts today. Take care and have a great day ahead. Thank you. You too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.